Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Faster Masters Rowing Radio, where having a rowing coach only makes you better. Following a program gives you a true pathway to becoming a confident rower who's respected by your peers. You can become the athlete you want to row with. I'm Rebecca Caro, and I'm joined by Marlene Royal. Hello, Rebecca, and hello to our Faster Masters Rowing Radio audience. <laughs> Excellent. Very, very good to be here today with everybody. Now, today's show, in the show, we are going to be discussing the pros and cons of heart rate for measuring training intensity. And if you know that flexibility and mobility are an issue for you in your rowing, listen to the end as we've got something just for you. Today, Faster Masters Rowing Radio is brought to you by Tip of the Blade, Notes on Rowing, a book by Marlene Royal with a collection of articles, presentations and interviews. You can buy it on Amazon and find it in good bookstores, including, I think, Row2K, who have a very good online bookstore for, for rowing books. Now, I'm going to kick off by showing the glorious photograph that I have for you this week. Take a look at this. This is from Carlos Enriquez. And sadly, he doesn't say where it is, but this looks like a, um, a coastal or a traditional boat rowing past the most glorious building, this huge, great symmetrical palace. Does anyone recognize it? Does anyone know? Where do you think that is? I mean, isn't it fabulous? I almost want to say it looks like Portugal, but it's probably... If you're called Carlos Enriquez, you could easily be from Portugal, couldn't you? But, of course, all the Portuguese listeners are now going to go, of course not, it's obvious it's a Spanish name. <laughs> I, know. I, know. I probably have it wrong, but it was lovely. What a great yeah, one. Yeah, this is excellent. Somebody tell us. Somebody tell us, exactly. Thank you to all of our podcast supporters, people who learn things from the podcast and they make a monthly donation to us at fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast. We have great love and admiration for all of you. So big hand and high fives. Now, this past week is when Marlene and I talk about the things we've been doing to advocate for uh, Masters Rowing around the world. And I'm going to kick off by saying that we have started a very early stage discussion with Scottish rowing. So if you're from Scotland, um, maybe something will happen. It's a little bit early to say, but uh, we're very much hoping that we can be involved in the strategy that they've already developed for rowing in their part of the world. And so watch this space. Marlene, what's your update from the past week? You know, I have to say that I've actually had a relatively quiet week from this point of view. Um, I have just been talking with our athletes and helping people with their training programs. And we've been answering questions and helping people get ready for crash bees. And so kind of just uh, staying in the process has been my focus this, this week. I'm going off to race this weekend, so going to Rotorua for the Blue Lakes Regatta. And we've just had an email through overnight from the head of domestic rowing saying that um, if they get Omicron in the community, which there have been a couple of possible cases, but it doesn't appear to have spread, 
Um, so far, they've contained it. But if it goes into the community, the whole of New Zealand moves to red on the traffic light system. We're currently at amber. And that means you can only have outdoor um, meetings of 100 people, which would severely limit regattas. Uh, well, let's let's cross our fingers that that doesn't happen. You know, we're, we're under pretty tight restrictions here in Quebec um, mm -hmm. because the caseload's quite high. And so everything is, you know, we're just kind of staying home and laying low. And it's also mm -hmm. minus 26 centigrade outside. So it's it's quite nice. You know, my erg looked really good today. I was quite happy to sit on my erg. And and uh, and also for for people who didn't know, you know, Head of the Charles is is running a virtual Head of the Charles event in February. It's um oh, the first really? week of February. Yeah, it's just something that kind of popped up this week um, that you can do, row the virtual Head of the Charles, the four thousand seven hundred and two meters. And uh, I think it has to be done between January thirty first and February sixth, or something like that. So. That was kind of a new event that kind of, you know, people's antennas went up. So, you know, we encourage people, you know, hop on your erg. If you don't Brilliant. want to row 2K, you can row 4,702. <laughs> so, exactly. In the UK, they've reduced or they're about to reduce and remove all restrictions. They just reckon that the country can now get on with it, which will be really interesting because in New Zealand, we know our prime minister is getting married but we don't know when. And we sort of think it might be this weekend because we reckon no changes to the levels will happen until after she's had right, her wedding. Right, exactly, exactly. Possibly a little cynical, but <laughs> yeah. in all likelihood true. <laughs> but yeah. Now, today we've chosen quite a meaty topic, which is heart rate and intensity. So the reason we picked this is I realize when rowing with different people that people have different views about how hard you should row. There are some people I get in a boat with and from the very first stroke it's like full on 100% even if they're just rowing with their arms or rowing at half slide and with other people it seems a bit more like uh, what we used to slightly rudely call assisted drifting as in it's <laughs> passive going through the movements without not much behind it now there is a lot of science in writing training programs and getting fit and whether you're rowing because you want to lose weight or rowing because you want to get fit or rowing because you want to race or rowing because you want to just enjoy your rowing more it really helps to have a framework around which to plan your practice. Those of us who grew up rowing in the 80s and 90s know that heart rate as a measure of intensity became very popular. I'm going to say probably around the early 90s. Does that sound about right? And you could buy low cost chest straps and have a little wrist watches when polar became you know, the default go to mm -hmm. you know, for, for measuring your heart rate. And we didn't personally speaking for myself, didn't understand much about it. Um, but we were encouraged to go by our own. And the club had a few and you could borrow them. And, you know, you looked at your heart rate while we were doing our one hour ergs and things like that. Um, and of course, heart rate measurement has moved on vastly since then. So we thought we'd just start with a kind of recap. Let's do some real basics, Marlene. 
there's a rule of thumb that says what is your maximum heart rate and it's supposed to be 220 less your age which as we know is a an average and b massively inaccurate because everyone's different and that then there was supposed to be this um magical number where you could row aerobically which is equivalent to two and a half millimoles of lactate but you were supposed to have a heart rate that you could measure for yourself using a step test to see where your training zones were. Have I summarized that accurately? Yes, in a ballpark. Yes, in a, because in a really, um, the, when you're looking at heart rate, you're to use heart rate for training, like you have to relate it to something. It isn't a thing in and of itself. So the, this formula, your age, 220 minus your age, grossly inaccurate because, first of all, it was developed on a non-athletic population. So right there, it's not that great for us who are athletes. Um, you really do have to know what that what your heart rate is. But, you know, to get to your max heart rate, I think that you do have to be somewhat experienced to be able to row that hard to get to that max heart rate. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of people don't have the experience to go there. If you're a really experienced athlete, you can go there. You can go there in a test. Um, but, but what um, the low intensity heart rate would be like your conversational level, that, that type of thing, like your heart is working. Um, it's not, beating too fast because that's when you strengthen your cardiac muscles. So this is what we call like conversational pace. Okay. So you don't really have to, you can, you can judge this subjectively, um, but it would be your conversational pace, right? If you start to work a little harder, like your, your anaerobic threshold, your anaerobic threshold would be, um, that's kind of, what I call comfortably hard. You're able to, you're able to maintain this pace for 40 minutes, maybe really experienced athlete up to 60 minutes. It's, you have to focus, um, but it, it, it would be comfortably hard. So subjectively that's, you know, what's below that would be our easy intensities and what's above that would be our hard intensities, our hard intensities where you can't really talk. You're breathless. You have to focus on what you're doing. So subjectively, we kind of have the low, medium, high intensity. And um, the That's heart rate, yeah, and heart rate, as as Rebecca mentioned, heart, to use heart rate from this point, different, different heart rates are going to generate different amounts of lactate in your blood. And that's how physiologists relate your heart rate to how hard you're working. So you do, you go and you do a test on an ergometer or something. It's better if you're a rower, you're better off to do it on an erg because if you run, it's going to be different than if you, if you erg, because the more efficient you are at your sport, your heart rate's going to be different. So you're going to have different thresholds for running compared to rowing if you don't yeah. do that. So that's an, that's an important point. So specificity is is important here and if you get a physiological test they're going to tell you when you're at two millimoles when your heart rate is at 130 and so that tells you hey 
that you don't you don't want to generate more than that for that type of training. And then they're going to tell you what your threshold is. Okay, you're at heart rate 165 or 170 when you hit your anaerobic threshold, which is going to be when when you're you're um, starting to to accumulate a little bit of lactate in the blood if you go go faster than that. So those those are very important and those things help you a lot and they change as you train. So you've got to retest that every few months to keep it accurate. So that's a little bit of organization. It's well worth doing if you've got access to the testing. It's not that complicated of a test, but you need you it's you know, it's like anything. You have to set up your system for doing it. Um, but there are other ways that you can train at the correct level so that you're not training with your heart rate too high or too intense for what, what you want. Um, some of the things that affect our heart rate, dehydration, temperature in the room, humidity, um, heat, altitude, sleep, stress. <laughs> Shall I name some more? Your heart Keep rate. Going. Your Cheese, heart rate. Wine. Right. Oh, alcohol, wine. Resting chocolate. morning heart rate. Wine will shoot your resting morning heart rate up really quickly. So yeah. many, many things affect your heart rate because your heart rate isn't, in, you know, does give you feedback on is there stress in your body? Is there some type of stress going on? It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a negative stress, like in an exercise format, it may be you're applying a positive st stress. Um, mm. in, in, uh, if you were getting sick, for example, your, yeah. your heart rate is going to be a little bit higher because your body's starting to work and starting to fight off infection. So you're going to see your heart rate go up. So that's an easy tip off that oh, you might be catching something. So heart rate is very sensitive. And that's why unless you, um, associate it with what's going on inside of you physiologically, you really don't, it, it really doesn't mean a whole lot. You can't guesstimate it based on that, based on that formula, because that formula is so inaccurate. It can be as much as 20 beats different for people. And, and I should just say that there is no best max heart rate, your max heart rate. It's just your individual number. You know, I have one friend who was a a world champion in ski orienteering. Her maximum heart rate is like 170 and her resting heart rate was 70, which sounds like really high for an athlete. It's just her physiology. You mm -hmm. know, somebody else might have a have a a max heart rate of 220, you know, and it does it does change with your age. It does drop a little bit with age, but still it's your number and it, it's different. So you do have to compare it to what what is going on inside of you in order to use it as an accurate physiological measure but there's other things you can do that are pretty precise as marlene said we recommend performance paces as an other a different way to uh check that you are training at the correct levels so talk us through the framework marlene Okay, well, what what the concept of per performance tests, and and cyclists use this um, FTP, you know, your functional power test um, is common in cycling, and then they take percentages off this. It's it's the same idea. You do a trial. In in our case, it's a it's a twenty minute trial. 
from that 20 minute trial, which we're assuming is your best on the day, you are able to extrapolate different training paces. Okay, so for example, for your low intensity category six, you're taking your split, you're adding 13 to 18 seconds on your split, and that's going to be your pace for your low for your low intensity. And we we go up through we have we have we have five or six different paces. So again, the the purpose of this is so that you are training at the pace that you earn that matches your current level of fitness. Because for example, say you have an injury and you're out for two months and now you're coming back to training. We'll say that in this case, the paces are on the erg. You're coming back to training. You can't go back to training at the same level you were at before you got injured because you're not in the same shape now. So as unpleasant as it is and depressing perhaps, you have to do a new 20 minute test. Nobody wants to do this, but you must because you have to get a, an accurate reading of where you're at so that your training and your workouts are done at a level that fits, fits your physiology. And the important thing here is that you've got to obey these paces like type A people. I can't row that slow. What are you say, okay, lower your stroke rate. I can't row this up because they train too fast all the time. They think they have to train fast all the time. You do not have to train fast all the time. You have to train correctly. So, so you know, it ensures that you row your low intensity low enough and your high intensity high enough because that's pretty challenging. So, you know, I say mm -hmm. don't complain about the low intensity. You're going to get the high intensity. But it, all, it keeps you out of the garbage zones. And, you know, in Dr. Seeler term polarized training you know this this helps you stay in those correct zones so that you're getting the training effect that you want from want from the session and it's really important for helping preventing people overtraining or overstressing because if you're rowing your low intensity incorrectly which many many people do um you know, you're putting yourself at risk of overstress because your plan isn't designed for all of every five days a week to be really stressful. Mm. And let's be clear, that plan is not necessarily just for racing. You could be rowing for a bit of fitness, for weight loss. Absolutely. Just to increase your endurance, you know, your ability to make your heart work hard because you stress your heart by making it work hard and then it becomes a stronger muscle and then it supports the lifestyle that you want going back to what Claire Del Mar was saying with us when she was with us a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about rowing and aging. Uh, and the, if you haven't watched that episode, it is an absolute cracker. It is probably one of the top three podcasts we've ever done. So do go and watch that. Yes, exactly. And, and for example, and there are differences. Your intensities affect your heart. So when you train at low intensities, think of this as not only are you training your aerobic system, you are training your heart muscle, you're training your cardiac muscle to be stronger. Because mm -hmm. when you train at lower intensities, your heart beats slower. And when it beats slower, it has more time to expand and it has more time to contract that when the heart expands more, it contracts stronger. Therefore, as you get more fit, and you get stronger, your heart volume, you pump more blood per stroke which is a really good thing for an athlete, right? That's a, you know, that is a, that's something we want. When you're up at a high level, high intervals, 
this is more oxygen transport, okay? Your heart is beating very fast here. It doesn't have time to like really expand and then contract hard like it does in the slower one. It's, it's beating at a higher rate and the purpose is to move oxygen through your bloodstream quicker. So it's got, it's got a different purpose. So, you know, that's why that we call it base training is base fitness for your heart as well as your, as well as your muscles. Now, there must be times when it is suitable or appropriate to use heart rate as part of your rowing lifestyle, Marlene. So can you just pick out two for us? Sure. One way is monitoring your resting heart rate in the morning. Um, that That's a great, super inexpensive way to see how you're adapting to your training. You don't need any equipment for this. You can just, you know, put your finger on your wrist and count, you know, count your heart rates per 15 seconds and then multiply it by four. Get to know what's get to know what's normal for you. Like maybe if you've had a rest day or two rest days and you wake up and you're pretty relaxed, not you wake up with an alarm and you're like going, ah, my God, you know, that's not going to give you the best heart rate. Technically, the best way to do it is to wake up quietly, get up, go to the bathroom, come back, lie down quietly for a minute or two and then take your heart rate because because after you void your heart rate is going to be lower um so that that's the ideal way to do it but the important thing is just to know what's normal for you so that mm -hmm. if you start seeing oh my my gosh my heart rate's 10 beats higher than normal that's an indication you're under your body's maybe you're not recovered maybe from a hard session you're a little bit dehydrated um could mm -hmm. be getting sick so so like if you're seeing that your heart rate's five above, I usually tell people, just be careful. Don't go crazy. If mm. you see it's 10 above, maybe you need to take a rest day. Maybe you need, if you were going to plan an interval workout, maybe you need to just do something easy and wait until tomorrow until it comes down, you know, or if mm. you're injured, if you're injured or you're, you've been sick, like some people now are sick or with the flu or they've had Omicron and they're coming back, Wait until your heart rate is down to normal before you start really getting back into your training routine because you're not fully recovered yet. So that's a sign of recovery. You do not uh, want to get a post-viral syndrome because trust no. me. No, and, and, and then it'll never go away. You know, you've got yeah, that's, that's long COVID is, yeah. I think, a post-viral syndrome. Yeah. Sorry, and, I interrupted and, but the other, the other thing is you can use heart rate within your workout, okay? Maybe you're not using heart rate to judge how hard you're working, but you can use heart rate to define your rest. So I've done a 1,000-meter piece on the water. We're rowing pretty hard. Our coach says we rest until your heart rate's back down to 90. Yeah. So that's they don't put a time on it, but they can say, rest or you know wait a little active rowing then stop wait till your heart rate comes down to 100 or 90 or whatever whatever they want it to be so you can define a rest which is more accurate than def than defining the intensity unless you have correlated that so i'm intrigued now we know heart rate's important You've mentioned in the past that you also measure heart rate variability for yourself. Does that fit into this overall sort of scenario? Well, heart rate variability can be can be very useful 
for anybody, not just athletes, but anybody, because it's going to monitor your, your, your sympathetic nervous system. And it's going to give you information of whether your body is in a state of stress or a state of recovery. So there's apps that you can use, um, like H HRV4 training for the number four. There are things like a whoop strap and the aura ring, you know, there are different, which, which have paid subscriptions. There's, there's, there's a number of different things depending mm. on, you know, how much you want to get into it, but that can be quite, quite helpful for insight. Again, it's insight. It's a, it's an awareness to see how you react. Oh, uh, she had three glasses of wine last night. You know what? Her heart rate's quite high this morning. Her HR, you know, HRV is down because high is, is usually better. It's down. Okay. How do these, how, but how does that combine with training volumes and things like that? Cause you also put in your training volumes and your intensity. So those are other things that, that can be quite helpful for people just to be aware of, um, you know, just how, how your body is adapting to your training and, you know, you adjust, you have to adjust. I mean, a plan is a plan. So you have to be ready to adjust. If you're not quite recovering completely, you might need to give yourself an extra active rest day or easy day before you go back to that hard session, instead of trying to barrel through it. Um, yeah. When, when you should be careful. Yeah, exactly. Now, one of our live listeners has said, I'm going to do a 60 kilometer fasted skull in 10 days. That means I need to burn predominantly fat as that's way longer than my glycogen will last. For me, that means not going above 65% of my VO2 max or 79% of my maximum heart rate, which is 135 beats per minute. Well, it looks like you've done all of your calculations. And let me say that 60 kilometers is a jolly long way. It sounds like a really tough endurance event. Well, and you do still need some glycogen and carbohydrate in there. I mean, the way carbohydrate and fat work is carbohydrates, your spark plug, and you need the spark to burn the oil in the oil lamp, right? So you need the flame spark to burn the thing. So um, if you're accustomed to doing this, perhaps it will be all right. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but you know, you, you don't want to start getting headaches. And, you know, your glycogen is only going to last for, for a certain amount of time. And, you know, I don't know if you are a man or a woman, but um, women are fat burners. You don't have to like keto yourself into a diet to be a fat burner as a woman because you are a natural fat burner. So, um, you know, we're good at we're really good at that, actually. And depending, you know, um, depending on age. If you want to trigger fat burning, that's why you need the, the higher intensity work, which burns the carbohydrate as the fuel, because you, you need to dump the carbohydrate. So your body goes, oh, when I recover, I'm going to burn fat. So you need a combination. You need a combination. So that has been a bit of a spin, but thank you. And uh, let's let's all just take a little look at our personal training intensity and how we could be using heart rate for ourselves uh, in order to fully understand how our performance is going. If you do want to understand performance paces, and the fitness assessment, it's part of the Faster Five, which you can get on the Faster Masters Rowing website. And that Faster Five are the core principles around which 
uh, we suggest you focus your training if you're a rower and a master. Now, at the top of the show, I suggested that if flexibility or mobility are a challenge for you, we've got something that we hope you will like. We're running a webinar on the 27th of January called Functional Movement Assessment. And this is a free event for anyone who would like to come along. The event takes two parts. When you sign up, you get access to our free ebook, which gives you 10 tests that you can do on your own body in order to find out how mobile you are in your own body. And then when you come on the webinar, Marlene's going to be running through some exercises, stretches and other strengthening things you can do with your body in order to improve your mobility based on what you've learned about yourself when you did the tests. Marlene, do you want to talk in a little more detail about that? Well, when when we um, get on together on the webinar, you know, we're actually going to go through when you'll already know how you did on on these particular tests and so we're we're going to talk about you know why it's why this is important in the stroke what role it plays um what can you do to improve that we're going to show you um the exercises with little video demonstrations for each exercise so you'll actually get to see how they're done in case there you know there could be some exercises that you're not familiar with but um but you know we're going to go through each one and talk about you know how you know how you can incorporate this and what how it's going to help you um, put some attention on the the area that needs work. And I haven't got a neat, cute URL, but the tickets are on eventbrite.com. So that's event e v e n t b r i t e dot com, and search for rowing functional movement assessment for masters. And uh, we will be recording it. So if you can't make it live, don't worry. We will send you a link to the recording afterwards. And as I said, you have to get the ticket in order to get the ebook, which has the tests in it. So um, please tell your friends. And we very much hope that uh, we'll welcome a whole load of people who haven't previously seen this webinar. Uh, we did it a year ago. Um, but hey, you know, you might like a refresher as well. Rebecca, will this be posted on our blog on the website? I will make sure it goes up there today. Thank you for the reminder. Quick action, action, Rebecca. <laughs> Always. Log the webinar. I will do that. Thank you. Good reminder. So this has been Faster Masters Rowing Radio, the podcast for masters rowers anywhere in the world. If you want fun, fitness and confidence in your rowing, you can become a student of the sport today by buying a Faster Masters Rowing program subscription. Go to fastermastersrowing.com forward slash join. Thanks to everybody who joined us live. Thanks to my colleague Marlene. And we will see you next week. Till next time. Bye bye.